0: I'm not going to do an intro with this gentleman because we'll we'll do a quick uh, kind of rundown with with, uh, with the with the formal intro for the for the episode. But sure. uh, really, you know, happy to have Joel here, and uh, I'm going to start a little unconventionally, uh, I think, and, and ask you a question, Joel, just right out of the gate. <laughs> and it's not about your handicap at golf. Okay. <laughs> you, you told us that was off limits, so we'll stay away from that. Um, what do you think about Deion Sanders?
1: Uh I think uh marketing and return on investment, I think it's uh it's a win. I think uh empowering student athletes, it's a win. Uh I think it, uh, an example of being hyper or uber competitive, uh it's a win. Um I think the story is uh yet to be told though. Okay. Mm. Do you think it's it's more surface than it is substance underneath oh no i mean i believe that you know uh probably what's underreported in media is you know dion dion's faith right so i think that's what truly drives him you know he has all the experience in the world uh you know uh what an athlete what a competitor so um you know he I I love that there's doubters because you know he doesn't have a 15 year record of coaching. Yeah, you know youth sports and stuff. But you know so far, I mean, last year with Jackson State and you know this year with the Buffaloes, he's uh, so far so good. You know, I mean, I I admire that kind of story. It's not an underdog story, but it's a success story of being competitive, having standards, living by your standards. Yeah. Yeah, I think if he
2: didn't have doubters, <clears throat> it would—I I don't know what he would become. But I, I think
0: that he feeds off that. Yeah, you know. Um, the reason I bring that up is that I, I'm a—you know—I'm really interested in um, watching guys that that can that that go into a, a system, um, a school, a company, a business, and, and have a have an impact like that. Right, they get in. There's an immediate effect, however you want to quantify that, and I find that fascinating. Right, I I'm, I start to look for that, and then I start to kind of deconstruct what that is. And so, um, you know, Joel, the reason I ask you that is is that you know I got to experience something similar with you coming in to uh, to torchies, and uh, you know I was really. Like I was telling you on the phone the other day, I was really excited to have you on here because there's, you know, we when we started talking about guests that we wanted to have on, there, there's there's really a short list of people that um, that I can look at that not only have have impacted my life, but I've seen impact others. And so I'll tell you, we you know we <clears throat> we're not really publicizing this podcast a lot yet, but it's it's getting out that we're doing it. And uh, uh, I want to share a text message I got from somebody that that knows you that heard you were coming on here. <laughs> And they said, "What stands out about Joel is his ability to have a business focus and at the same time bring aspects like grace and servitude into leadership um, hard to do without contradiction mm. and uh they go on to say that you know one time uh one time they were talking about a reduction in turnover with uh, new store openings, and you made them quantify the numbers of people uh." Uh, or uh, yeah, you made them quantify the number of people that that the percentage represented in that reduction, and it was something like seven hundred people that were affected. And you said focus on the people, not the percentage. And so that was to me was really interesting. And um, where does that come from? Like that's
1: well, well I think it comes from you know uh, in business, especially the hospitality business is is. Uh, is is a is a people heavy business uh and traditionally in hospitality uh turnover is you know what you would consider high compared to any other business and management has a um i don't know has a perspective sometime to uh make it okay or make it about a percentage or uh, and so i i I believe that um you know, every percentage is about a number and every number has a name, right? Mm -hmm. And every name has a story. And so when we can think of it in those terms, uh, you know, it's a people issue. It's people don't leave great organizations. People don't leave very good leaders. You know, people lead, uh, things that are chaos or, uh, organizations that don't have their stuff together. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, Uh, That quote was, uh, that was, that's what that was about. You know, it's not about, hey, let's compare what we're better. You know, we're only 33%. So we're better than the people down the road that are doing 40%. I mean, it's still 700 names, you know, or whatever it is. It's where that came from.
0: Yeah.
2: Have you always focused on the hospitality industry or or have you tucked in and out of
1: different? Well, Well, I've been, my career has been in, in, in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last part of my career, I went to work for a, for a fitness company for a little bit. I so uh, <clears throat> but that was kind of, you know, uh, a personal decision to have something that was close to me, fitness. Yeah. But yeah, I was, um, you know, I started not far from where we're sitting today in, in hospitality uh, at a hotel up here. Uh, it was back then it was called the Austin Hilton Inn. Uh, you know, which is a stone's throw from here. And that experience was awesome for me because uh, as a young 19-year-old college student that had to work, um, I started there. But I had a, a boss that took an interest in me and didn't treat me like an employee, you yeah. know, and and yeah. uh, nurtured me and challenged me to do other things. So uh, I guess I was blessed with that from the beginning to um you know, to look at work as empowering. Yeah, and you can you can trace your
2: philosophy in terms of leadership back to that moment, or is there earlier times where you started yeah, I mean, gradually thinking that people uh, are
1: important? You know, I mean, I've I've literally lived around the world. Dad is a retired naval officer, so you know, we were we moved every two years, but uh, you know, I got to um, 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 see. Uh, leadership in not only in the household, but in, you know, in, in what dad did. And, you know, he made sure that we were, um, I don't know, it sounds corny, but we were in boy scouts. And if you want to talk about structure and leadership and everybody pulling their own weight, uh, so yeah, I mean I think it was it was from that and then uh you know I, I've been I've been blessed with senior pastors in my life that you look at and you go, you know, that's an example of humility and leadership yeah. and sticking by standards. So um uh, you know, it's uh, uh it, it's it's been a good ride, but, yeah. but but mostly hospitality.
2: Yeah. I know you've um this is my first time meeting you so I'm real eager to hear a lot more about you, but um, and I know you've had a lot of success, but how I'm real curious because in, and what we're doing in my office was, which is an architectural group We're we're trying to subtly change the culture and it is based on leadership and it is based on, on, on this thing that we feel is broken within the architectural community. But at the same time, it's hard to to balance that with, um, you know, with, with a, reven- a percentage of revenue, you know, in terms of return. Now, you could say that, well, we're holding on to people, we have a great culture, people love to work there. But, but then how do, you, how do you begin to, you know, evaluate that leadership in terms of revenue base? And it may be a different industry
1: entirely. Yeah, I mean, I I think at the um the end of the day, you have to make money yeah. if you're in business. Uh and you and you don't have to be apologetic about that we're yeah. here to make money. Yeah. So I think some people maybe attack that and you know, they don't just come out and say we need to make money. Yeah. Now, I I don't believe that we should step on anybody's back to make money yeah. or cheat or lie or steal to make money, but I think, you know, um, we're here to make money. I think yeah. that's part of yeah, how sure. you have to, you know, uh, and I believe that the frontline employees all the way up to the C-suite, uh, not only need to acknowledge that, yeah. uh, and if the entire system understands it, Hey, we're here. That's what we're here for. Yeah. I think you get to that closer. Mm-hmm. I also think that organizationally, when you talk about culture, uh, I, I, I think that you have to start with this concept that I call what we believe, mm. that you have to you have to really get to the bottom of what we believe, yeah. not only personally but organizationally, and when you can, when you can have those conversations or exercises about the you know this is what we believe uh, you know, I've been told what we believe determines how we behave. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm not a scientist or anything, yeah. but what we believe determines how we behave. Sure. So I think it's important that organizations and individuals first answer that question, what do we believe? Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, and that's a
0: hard question to answer sometimes. I think from, the, well, maybe not a hard question to answer, but yeah, let me back up. I, 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 I'm coming at this from seeing a lot of incongruity between what people say they believe and what mm-hmm. actually gets, you know, what what's it, what actually happens in the field and and how people are actually treated. But is it is that from, you know, is that just the the leadership involved, or is it people have a trouble actually articulating what they believe?
1: Well, I think it's both. I think it's uh, that we are in a I, me, my world right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're we're in a social media world and we are in a information age and have been in an information age, um, you know, for, for a long time where it is easier to have people tell you what you believe <laughs> than to go through the exercise to understand what you truly believe. But I think it's liberating, and I think that you uh, – Show me an individual that knows what they believe, uh, and and they will be more successful in not only leading their families, but in whatever enterprise or if it's exercise or anything. And I think that's a culture builder. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would start with that. In and and then the second part of that is is that you know you need the majority of people. On the team that believe the same way that you do, yeah, absolutely, A- and and that's what makes culture strong, and creates you know um, that synergy effect if mm-hmm. if you know if you're if you're around. So um, I, I, it's it's really important, and you know in the hospitality business. Um, you're around a lot of young people. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know, the average age in restaurant is probably below twenty-four years old when you mm-hmm. think about that. You know, and when you look at the statistics and the demographics about um uh, about that age set, um, uh, you know, they're 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 searching and they're living in a in an economy that is vastly different than when you were 23 or 24, or I was mm-hmm. 23 or 24. And and so, you know, it it, it exacerbates some problems that they have. But uh, I had a tremendous opportunity to speak to lots of them and ask that simple question, yeah. you know. And, you know, you start with, you know, I mean, you can start with, do you believe the world is round or right. is the world flat? You know, you can start with that, but you go through that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do you believe in education? So let's let's talk about that. So it's important in building culture.
2: Yeah. At what point in 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 your life or your career did you establish a, a a belief system that you could hold on to and then lead with? And how did you
1: how did you get there? Wow, uh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I I think that maybe I'm a sum of all the parts, and you know that it was it was an evolution. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think I've referenced. A pastor or church and Boy Scouts and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know. So I think that, um, you know, I think I was raised with values. You know, having values, and I think that's the other part of culture is is that you you have to be values led. You know, you have to believe in something, but you have to have values. And you know, we always worked on it in. um, You know, you have to have character. Yeah. Mm. That that you have to, you know, um, man, I, I want people to, to say that, you know, Joel is a man of character or yeah. my wife or my children are people of character. Uh, and, uh, so I've always tried to lead that way yeah. with, you know, that you can trust me at my word. And I learned, um, probably, uh, 1988, uh, that, uh, I learned this, Uh, idea that uh, don't make a commitment that you can't keep. And so, so many leaders don't know how to say no. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You were just telling a story about someone that told you, you know, it was going to take three months to meet with you. And that's from people being able to say no. So if I can't meet you here on this day, or if I can't give you Friday off as an employee, don't tell the employee, well, maybe, or yeah, or we think, because then all of a sudden you lose trust, right? And you have not honored a commitment and commitments you know, commitments don't have to be this, um, one year pledge to donate, you know, that's a big commitment or I'm going to lose 30 pounds commitment. I mean, the commitment can be, can I have, can I have Friday off? That's yeah. a commitment, right? Mm-hmm. And so commitments can start small and, and, and grow big. But, um, I think you maybe can see the theme that I'm leading with is, is about, you know, know what you believe, lead with values, have character, honor what you say. Um, and 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 that sh- really helps to build trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: <clears throat> that's real interesting because it it's it's not it's not a sense of where you were educated, what platform you were on, but it's this basic life mission about values and humility like you were saying earlier. So that that's uh that's good to know.
1: Yeah. You you know, uh, I've had the the good fortune of being with two companies to help go through a process where we establish the company's core values, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think we've all seen companies with huge mission statements and core value statements. And, um, uh, you know, I always thought that core values should be, you know, what we believe. Yeah. What the what the what the company's mission could accomplish, what it could be, but that they had to be. These weren't just um, something that you saw in the C suite, yeah, you know, or the board of directors maybe read them once when they had their annual meetings, but that the entire organization embraced these core values, mm. understood the core values, and you taught the core values, and they were important. Yeah, and and I think that's. Uh, I think that's once again a culture builder right that we're you know that we do that and uh it was so important to me uh in in my last organization that I actually had a a, a cheat sheet that went through the core values yeah. so that I was consistent so that I didn't waver on what the core values meant sure. or how they are applied mm. and now I could go through this I could spend thirty minutes going through it with you, or I could spend five minutes going through. Uh, but we were consistent on the um, the teaching, the uh, the giving out of the core values, so that the message was consistent and spread. Yeah. yeah. So that people once again had something that they understood that they believed in. Yeah, uh,
2: I've got on in front of my uh, monitor. I've got a uh, a few. Key words that I want to make sure that we always do with all of our work, as well as our core values. So, it is a good reminder, and it is a good kick in the pants whenever you're not following those as well. And and when you're not following them, it's also key to have humility and say, "Look, guys, I I fell down on this one. Yeah, <laughs> here's how we pick ourselves up because uh, failure is a key to success. I understand that and um. I'm real curious too. hope you don't mind me asking, but your, 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 your brain feels, sounds real full of, of, of life and, and an idea of how to lead whenever you found success in the various companies that you've been involved with, would you, would you weigh your participation in that success? In a realm of how to how to lead the culture, or is it finance driven, or is it a little bit of both? How, I don't know if that question makes sense, but I'm real cu- curious, you know, and because they're big organizations that yeah. you've been a part of, um, um, how does one insert themselves with with your mindset and then <laughs> find success?
1: Well, I found success because um, I've I've always adopted this this attitude or this principle that, um, this is my ministry, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So my ministry is to lead people, uh, to mm-hmm. provide value, uh, help them learn about character, um, uh, um, be results driven, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also, um, help the organization make money. And so when I looked at it like that, you know, um, It's, 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 let's, let's get to the frontline employees. That's who we're here to serve. That's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. That's where the, the public and the guest interact. That's where, that's where your brand is represented, believe it or not, whatever the brand is, you know, it's not, they don't think, you know, of the C-suite, your, your brand is manifested by frontline employees. And so how do we how do we impact those frontline employees when you know i don't know you're you're in the c suite and you have multi unit people that are over multi unit people that are over single unit you know and and so it has to be you know you have to have a, a process and a goal and objective but i think you also have to believe that i mean if i'm if i'm not making work better for the frontline employees if they don't enjoy coming to work and serving the mission, you know, then then I failed and we failed. Yeah. That's kind of how I approached it. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you how do you think about you know
0: in 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 the service of that, you know, leading upwards, right, when you've got a board of directors or a private equity group behind you that's pushing down these priorities and agendas and and their values? Right, and you've got to marry that up with with a servant leadership attitude of, you know, really focusing on and investing in the frontline people. Because I got to imagine that those come into conflict a lot. How do you how do you lead upwards, and how do you how do you do that?
1: Well, uh, I think that you you have to be true and support the people you lead. That's that's job one. Um, you know, if if, if you if you rise up in organizations you're going to meet the board of directors at one point in time <laughs> and you know whether that's a quarterly meeting or an annual meeting and and my experience has been that um um uh, board of directors are there to advise and whether it's a governance board or an advisory board you know if it's a um uh, you know if it's if it's not a public company they have they have a job to do and and their job is really to uh, is to push mm-hmm. right into, uh, um, to, to, to point out that there are better results out there. So I think I recognize that I understand your question. There is conflict. Um, but if, if you, if you understand what you believe, uh, man, I'm going around this a, a long way of trying to tell you that <laughs> I, I usually don't get, um, along very well with boards yeah, (laughs) because I'm an operator. Right. And I mean, these are the people that I serve and, uh, you know, they're going to want to know why, you know, you can't reduce labor and increase profits and, you know, sell more and, and, you know, save more and stuff like that. Um, and it, in, in, in my opinion, um, uh, the board is, uh, most of the time, the farthest away from the frontline employees and yeah. the operation and the execution, and so you try and you try and help them understand this is the reality. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm kind of. A, yeah. I know exactly what you're asking. Well, and I'm
0: I'm working my way through to the question of you know why is it seemingly and again I haven't been in the industry as long as you have or seen as much of the industry as long as you have, but I've seen definite examples of, of what you're talking about being very unique, right that, that definitely honoring the, the frontline employees investing in them, building that trust in them, um, you know and in, even framing that inside the partnership program that you' that you've advocated and ushered into a couple different companies or, or but but that's unique right? And why is that unique? Is it because of the lack of, and I don't want to say the lack of character, but kind of that's what it is, where you've got that point where the board's pushing down these agendas, these efficiencies, right? Which most people um, would take and, and push down to their, you know, team below them, almost commoditizing the people below them. But you know, is it unique because people won't stand up and say, no, we're going to invest in the people even at, even at the risk of maybe not being as efficient as profitable, but it's more of a long term. I know I said a lot of stuff there, but you know, what I'm trying to say it's, it's definitely unique and you don't see every, every organization do it, but when you see the organizations that are doing it, they're typically there's success and there's results and there there's a return on
1: that mindset. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess I have to go back to, you know, the organization that really helped teach me partnership was Texas Roadhouse. And I yeah. would tell you that, you know, they're a publicly traded company. They're killing it, have been killing it for over 20 years. And, um, you know, their their board, I'm sure, is supportive because um, – You know, the founder of Roadhouse was a contrarian, Mm -hmm. and, you know, his idea was let's put more people on the shift. Let's not raise prices. Uh, Let's raise top-line sales by doing it that way. And so, you know, I'm sure that board is appreciative of doing that. Uh, So why don't more companies do it? Do partnership or – well, I think it's an investment, right? It's a – it's a – it it it's a talent driven decision because when you when you have a partnership program or a managing partner program um, you know that the, the concept is this job here running this single unit in my mind is worth x you know okay. with an upside of this and that x for that job is usually higher than what you would pay or a general manager or somebody else, so number one it's a financial commitment number two it's a it's a talent driven decision it's not easy to have a partnership program mm-hmm. because if the job is worth hundred thousand dollars a year, you have to find a hundred thousand dollar a year talent yeah. and that's you know that's difficult yeah you've got to go through a lot, so that may be the reason the reason for it uh the other reason for it is is that you know th- those partnership programs are based on um, that managing partner getting a piece of the action, you know, yeah. whether it's net income or percentage of EBITDA or, or, or what it is, and sometimes those single units don't produce enough, mm. you know, to compensate the managing partner. So, you know, so the you know when you do the math, they don't really work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but where, where the opportunity does work out, you know, you're able to attract talent. The other component of those partnership programs that I've been involved with is, is that that talent brings you money. Mm-hmm. They give you whatever the buy-in is, you know, ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Uh, it's not like a franchise. I'm not buying a job, but here I'm 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 uh, I'm proving that I'm one of the select few, and that I'm going to put my money. Invest my money where my mouth is. Yeah, that's my family's money. I mean, I could spend that fifteen thousand yeah. dollars on a lot of other things rather than have you hold it. So it, it attracts a special type of talent.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going <clears> to <throat> mention that. You know, I learned a lot um, working along alongside you there uh, at Torchies. But one of the biggest things that I took away from that, which was a really hard lesson to learn. Was, and it revolved around partnership was really um you know having more of an open mind for feedback from the front line from the operators from the people that were in the stores so you know what we you know our job at Torches was to manage design construction you know getting the facilities on the ground so that operations could come in and um and do their thing and you know until you know Joel came in and and that that uh, team of uh, the c-suite came in you know we we kind of owned our own little machine our own little department there that we didn't take feedback from anybody like we we were supposed to be the experts we were supposed to be the the foremost authority on equipment layout building layout uh seating like all aspects inside that box and one of the things we were asked to do is is open ourselves up from for feedback from <coughs> operations yeah and that was really fucking hard <laughs> because we're supposed to be the experts and we, and we had a lot of we had a lot of arrogance and a lot of you know, a lot of success behind us, right? It's like, hey, why why do we need to? But I tell you, you know, we we got into doing it, um, and I was blown away by how much we didn't know and how much common sense things that we just overlooked that we would have never found out had we not, you know, really had a true partnership with everybody in the company. You know, specifically the the the, the guys the the guys and girls on the front lines in the stores, living and breathing there. And then our our mentality, my mentality shifted, and we I pushed this down through the team is that um, you know, we need to honor these folks. They're living and breathing and living their lives inside these um spaces. And so we need to try to really um make that the best experience that we can, not only for the company, but for the people, everything, right? Um and then really it came down to if we're really gonna honor our commitment to being the best uh in learning then the the only way we can really do that is is get real time information from the field. So anyways that that was a huge thing for us and I think it definitely changed the, changed the game and and then I mean that's still part of the way we operate today is um you know if we've got a superintendent in the field that's building something we're we're really focusing on on that person that guy you know what's going on how can yeah. we get better not just being you know I've done this for 20 years. I should know what I'm doing. It's like, no, you know, I need to, I need to still talk to the guy on on the ground. So, yeah. How have you seen your world in terms of um,
2: personnel management, leadership, pre-COVID versus post-COVID? Has there been, there's been a big swing for us in terms of how much difference in terms of um balance of life or how much difference in terms of what do what do we give and what do we expect to receive. Um talk a little bit about that because we we overswung and then we can't we've come back a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that I think the concept of quality of life yeah. of the people you lead should be, <clears throat> you know, should be important. Um, you know, the the what what COVID did for us was, uh, you know, in in retrospect, was make us uh, make a, a lot of businesses, uh, 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 I mean, a lot of the world, uh, really have this knee jerk reaction out of fear um, that that controlled the narrative that you know it's safer to work at home, you're more productive to work at home. Let's give you some stimulus because you're working from home. And that really, really, really um, uh, changed the environment of work. Yeah, And I don't know that we've recovered from it yet. I know that there's a lot of organizations, a lot of these tech companies now are saying, you know, we want you back in the office. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's a subtle admission that, you know, perhaps we were wrong yeah. uh, mm. in that decision. Now, I, I know that um, uh, at at the... At Torchy's, uh, you know, we opened 12 restaurants during COVID. Uh, But once again, you know, we understood what we believed and who we were. And we were an operations-driven restaurant company. And by the way, the operator's you know had no option they couldn't work from home yeah, you know right. and by the way the world still needed to eat during covid yeah. <laughs> so the people at h e b and the people at torchies and the people at mcdonalds you know had to figure out how you know how are we going to how are we going to do this so i don't know if that answers your question i think that you know we're trying to we're trying to put it back and get it back i i i think uh you know all of business is yeah. and i think that um um you know i think it's 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 tough out there right now to attract talent yeah you know um we're we're in a in an inflationary cycle where you know if wages if if wages aren't perceived to keep up with you know what i need for a cost of living it's doubly hard to attract uh and have we conditioned the workforce that you know, maybe you don't have to work as hard and maybe we're going to subsidize you. That's going to be tough to recover from. I mean, we will, we'll have to recover from it, but uh, it may be, it may be a long haul. Um, But I I think if you have the culture, like we talked before, I think it's going to be easier to say, I mean, people are going to want to come back and, you know, work next to their teammates, right? Because heck, I miss them. And, you know, we're we're a team and we have a mission and, you know, we're, 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 we're leading with values and, and with character. So, you know, that may be a good benefit of having yeah. a super culture, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to, what I'm hearing you say is based on the values that you created and not, not, not for the sake of creating them, but people believe them. Right. And I know Tor- Torchy's world well. And, and I, and I know that the staff and, and everybody behind it believes in that culture and they really bought into it and and they still do, uh, as well as the people coming in and, 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 uh, you know, the customers coming in. And so, um, we found that too, people wanted to come back because they enjoyed the company and they enjoyed the collaboration and they enjoyed the, the realm that we work in and, um, I think we're, 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 we 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 didn't step in it correctly or we didn't, um, we didn't evaluate the situation properly and is that we we, during COVID, we did not, or we lost sight of the mentorship. And that really was detrimental because we had never experienced turnover. And the reason for some of the turnover that we had during COVID is we forgot the mentorship during the online meeting. Like that was just something mm-hmm. and so uh it it was a big learning lesson because we we dropped some of those core values that we really believe in and we dropped some of these things just because we we thought that the world was chaotic in a way that and we were just putting out fires and and if you go back to those beliefs that you really believe if you if you even though it's hard <laughs> and and the world is chaotic and you don't quite know what the other side means if you can really go back to the, that list on your wall <laughs> and and stay true then yeah it seems like that's the yeah. right right pathway
0: we're we're you know, it, it have a different perspective because we're a little bit older generation now, right? Yeah. And and it's like, well, you know, we, I, you know, I'll speak for you guys, too. We come from a world where a face-to-face interaction um, is very valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that's what I want to, I want to be able to lead, you know, being in front of people. Yeah. But we're, va- you know, we've, we've hyper-accelerated that move into being remote and virtual and all that, which is, that's where, I mean, the fact is that's where we're heading. Yeah. So I wonder how leaderships going to change, and can you still find a way to honor the relationships and culture in all aspects in, in a in a more virtual world? Um, you know, and it's 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 interesting. I, I, we were visiting um, Shake Shack. This was a couple years ago, and they were moving into a a kiosk system, and this was pre COVID. Um, and I never did haven't followed up to see if they really pushed that agenda further now at post COVID. But you know, they were trying to limit the amount of employees. And just go kiosk based, yeah. and I'm like, man, that just back then I remember thinking that goes way away from the the core values of Torchies and creating an experience and and you know face to face. But you know, even from running a business now, it's it's changing and it's becoming more difficult.
1: Yeah, man, we were lonely during COVID. I can tell yeah. you that. And <laughs> uh, you know the 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 Zoom calls, the technology with Zoom is fantastic. The uh, man, I'm. Uh, uh, I wouldn't mind if I don't ever have to do another Zoom. Call. Oh yeah, I, can, uh, I, I know that.
2: that's true. Uh,
1: but if we could go back to culture just for a second, I yeah. think maybe one of the things that um, that I was remiss in not talking about, and because we've been talking a lot about Torchies, right, and the success at Torchies. I think you know the 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 guy that founded Torchies created a phenomenal product, and when you have a product that is easy to believe in, yeah, that is fantastic you know the job's a lot easier you know if you're if, if 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 the people in your organization don't believe in your product man you've got a you have yeah. an uphill battle don't you yeah. so uh we were blessed at Torchies. you know I think Mike Ripka um I mean what a what a phenomenal phenomenal product that it didn't take a whole lot to get an eighteen or twenty year old you know I mean taste the guacamole or the queso and I mean <laughs> you're not gonna find any better so that was uh you know I mean that's a shout out to absolutely. to Ripken. I mean yeah. great great product, great, yeah. you know. Yeah. Made it easy, didn't Makes it? Makes everybody's <laughs> job easier. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: you you've, we've mentioned the product now. Uh, we've talked about operations. Um, you know, we've got a we've got a designer architect in here, we've got a contractor in here, we've got an operator in here, so I I think people would want to hear about design and how that impacts the space and uh this goes back i don't know if you remember joel but we were sitting in the conference room and this question got put on the table and i'd love to hear your your interpretation of it maybe we can dive into it but <clears throat> what is the roi of design on uh, a concept in general you know how do you think about that from an operator standpoint
1: um well well uh you know my most recent job was running um uh, 30,000, 40,000 square foot gyms, Yeah, right, where design was critical, not only um, the design of the box, but, you know, where the equipment fit sure. and mm-hmm. work. Um, in, in the restaurant space, uh, you know, if you ask an operator first, the first thing that they're going to want um, uh, out of design is... You know, <laughs> can I operate it? Yeah. Does it make sense? Is it fish efficient? Yeah. Yeah. The operators always want a little bit more space and maybe, you know, a, a larger grill or whatnot. So I think that I think that from the operations point of, you know, it's got it's got to work. It's got to be um, functional, right? It's a, it's what's the functionality of the design part. But I think we also recognize that. You know, we open spaces so that guests can come in, you mm-hmm. know, and that they can, you know, and um, the uh, quality is made up of the entire experience, right? Sure. So the ambiance, how, you know, did you put enough tonnage on the roof so that it's cooling up? Yeah. Uh, in Texas, especially, even in the kitchen, by the way, uh, it doesn't hurt to keep those guys, you <laughs> know, uh, keep those guys cool. And then, you know, is it, you know, is it pleasing to the eye? Um, uh, the marketing guys are going to say, is it on brand? Does it represent the brand? Mm-hmm. You know, do I, can I go from one unit to the next and understand that I'm, you know, with this brand? So, um, uh, you know, I think design is critical. Um, uh, you know, it's not as important as the food you're making, obviously, yeah. uh, or <laughs> yeah. how you execute that. Sure. You'll always have that. Sure.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, so I don't know if that answers that. I mean, we're always appreciative of it, but if you're an operator, you know, let's face it, you don't have the skill to design, yeah. you know, you didn't go to architect school or you're not a, uh, you know, a construction guy that with the ability to, you know, measure twice and saw once you can't do that right yeah. you Um, and so maybe it doesn't get as much credit from the operations team, you know, as it deserves. They, they just, uh, really appreciate the the functionality of it first. Right. And so I don't know what, I don't know when, when the designers start, you know, I've, I've worked with architects to design a restaurant concept before. Matter of fact, almost from the ground up. And, you know, do you start with functionality or do you start with what's the curb appeal? It's a great question. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, what, what, what drives it, you know? So
0: we, you know, we lived in the world of, of creating an experience and I'd love to, I want to definitely hear your take Mark on it. Um, but th- that that's where the tension came in, especially later in the game with torches of of now it is more about scale getting more open, right the conversations about you know budgets don't tend to go up when you're scaling a company like that budgets for for design and construction tend to go down, and so it's that you you end up at that question of like well what what is the r o i of spending another fifty thousand dollars on light fixtures and yeah. <clears throat> arguably you might not need them to sell more tacos but yeah. But then again, you know, we're on the other end fighting for like, you know, we're, we want to stay true to the brand in terms of creating this. You know, we always said that when when people walk in, we want to raise their blood pressure a little bit, like get them excited. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely, you know, hit them with the brand, hit them with the things we want to hit them with, and then and then the focus then shifts to the food and the experience and all that of the interaction with the with the guests, right? So then they get to then they want we want them to relax and really enjoy the experience. So how do you do that through design? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, I I know it's hard not to be biased from a design standpoint, but like what, how do you think about that? I I agree. I agree.
2: I mean, I've had my, I I learned the wrong way, which is focusing on design too early, too swiftly, and only caring about the, the aesthetic. I, I, I did that when I was younger, but now how we approach it is, It doesn't matter if we're doing a restaurant or gym or a house or whatever. If it doesn't function, if it doesn't operate, people are not going to come. The staff is not going to be happy. Your experience is going to be terrible, no matter how beautiful it is. And so I I think it is critical. That's the first part. If we're doing a restaurant, if we're talking about restaurant specific, we immediately attack the kitchen, right? We want to know the equipment. We want to know how this... Mm-hmm. The daily life functions. And, you know, with working with Torchies, you guys had already developed that in a well oiled machine in terms of back of house. Sure. And so we could specifically focus on the aesthetic and what the user experience was. And that was a whole lot of fun. But when we're doing ground up and it wasn't Torchies, it was completely, it was a different process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's really how we 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 try to focus now if we don't get those nuts and bolts at basic block and tackle down, then your aesthetics is going to go out of the door and, and mm-hmm. we understand that. And and that's 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 the operations, that's the budget, that's the schedule. Those three things are are critical. We <clears throat> and how we actually sell our 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 work is or what we do is design is subjective you know, is red better than black or white or green? You know, everybody's going to have a different answer. Um, But we, what we are selling is a service and, and we understand that and we understand it well. And, and so if the, if, if our service doesn't give you uh, a a way to develop revenue and business and structure within whatever you're doing then we're falling down and uh, design you know is is incredibly important and and you know the gray area about what is operations and what is design and experience like there there's a real finite and you you could you could look at that at a at a at your at your cash wrap right where people order tacos or where they, where they stand in line, like that, was real critical for us because I'm a fidgeter. And well, what do people do whenever they just stand there? Well, let's create an experience for them. That, well, that's going to cost money, and that's you know. So there, there are great areas that we that we will battle over, but it's all based. But it never would. I mean, maybe you tell me it. It would never it would never challenge the the operations that the business Mm. found success on. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll talk about experience all day and how wonderful it is and how impactful it is, but it doesn't necessarily need to cost more than anything else, right? You know, there's there's a way that, you know, that you can create a, a budget for a project that will allow the thing to pencil and we need to follow it, and yeah. and the builder needs to follow it. We need to follow it. That's why, you know, we focus on that so much. Mm-hmm. But there's there's no, there's no reason why there should be a lack of experience because of dollar, mm-hmm. right? We can all makes we can make something into something wonderful with a minimal amount. It doesn't have to be expensive. Yes. You just need
0: to think through it. Yeah. <laughs> Now ju- the, the reason I bring that up is I've just I've seen a lot of concepts where when they really get into scale mode, you know it's uh, there's a noticeable difference in design and well, you know, on what side of the space. What you guys
2: did that some others don't is that you you and, and there's a couple of brands that we that we work with that will that will think about context and culture and 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 the environment that they're building within. And if you can approach it, you know you, you have your kit of parts. That's your brand. Mm-hmm. We understand that there's a function, there's a there's operations that cannot be challenged. Um, but what you <clears> did well is you allowed the kit of parts to be adjusted depending on the location that you're building within, yeah. right? And and that's context, which is really important. You know, Dallas is very different than Austin. Yeah and and we treated it that's it, different from Houston yeah. and I think those approach as soon as you make those subtle subtle changes based on the people that you're going to serve mm-hmm. you're going to find success sure and um and I do think that what what you what you built was um and the spaces that you allowed to 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 get designed and built and the amount of energy that you put in to the build did keep people coming back like that i would i i would imagine i i hear people talk sure. all the time about man that's a great
0: experience and i'm going to go back that, by the way that, the tacos are great <laughs> <laughs> you know but that just goes to the kind of that the the interesting dynamic and tension between design and operations and all that right because you know i know that early on with torchies using them as an example you know th- there's always been a focus on culture there's always been a huge focus on um food quality um, and 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 authenticity and all that, yeah. and so then and then that was part of the design too because you know, early on, you know, all and and I, I can't speak for it today because I don't well, I can because I've, I've seen a couple of the newer ones, but um, it we wouldn't compromise on the authentic nature of materials, so you know, we would never do anything faux, right? Yeah. So if you wanted if you wanted a pattern on the wall, that was either done with a with a hard material. It wasn't. It wasn't wallpaper printed. Yeah, it was like do it right. You know, yep. there was and there was. If you had a, if you had a dining room wall, you know, you'll see a lot of companies or, or concepts will run a material up to ten feet, and then the rest of it's painted. Well, if you had a fifteen foot wall, eighteen foot wall, we'd run the material from the floor all the way up because mm-hmm. that that needed to be its own element, right? Yeah. Um, and again, like stay true to what you're doing. But that comes with a cost, yeah, you know um, sure. you know we we were the only uh, concept that I've ever seen to use like road reflectors as a, as a finish. Yeah. that's not cheap, yeah, but it but it had an impact and it became a brand element. i I, I heard I don't know that they're not really doing that anymore, um, which I'm very disappointed in because that was you know that was really a, a staple in a, in a brand element, yeah. of that. but I just you know, and I could mention a few other concepts that I've seen that as they get into growth mode, um, you know, you can tell their the budgets are, 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 are definitely reducing, which I know is part of, it's part of the evolution, Yeah, but it is kind of, it's interesting, you know, and, and I don't know if, if, um, if it doesn't affect the brand at some point, you know, I don't know. I think that, um, the, the,
2: the, the other side of it is having a strong brand. Yeah. Right. True. And, and, um, we work with a, a local shop, it's Bird's Barbershop we we've we've done we we did three or four several years ago, and then you know they they um, went to another shop and worked with them, and now they're back and And it was real it was a real interesting conversation because I they, even though they're they're a successful group, they're they're growing the what we were able to deliver as a collaborative, group owners, us builder, uh, all the way around, they felt it, you know, wasn't, they, they, they just, you know, they wanted, they, they liked what, what we brought. And I think there's, and I am saying that because it's a very different, it's not a different experience. It's a, it's a, it's a rich brand. They, they know who they are. They know, what they want to deliver to their clientele and the type of service but it's but it's graphic mm-hmm. right and the budgets are not you know you know but um, the experience is very similar and it's very contextual and it's and it's it, it delivers this thing that people expect when they walk in and and the thing is different and And there's something to that, right? To recognize that whenever you're working with an architect or a designer Mm -hmm. or a builder, there, and it goes back to that brand. And it's like, you got to hold on to it. And if you lose it, you lose your soul. Sure. Right. And people are going to know
1: it. And, and, you know, yeah. uh, Well, well, and in scaling, you know, when you, when you, when you go from, uh, because, you know, the, 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 the first, torchy stuff were mostly retrofits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get out of that retrofit business into, you know, I need somewhat of a prototype, but you want to stay true to all of those brand elements that made it unique and funky and uh, and stuff like that. You know, that that is where you have to, yeah. you know, that's where the people smarter than me need to come in the room and say, I think the other thing that maybe we didn't mention in scaling a brand you know, and going from maybe a retrofits to prototype is this time element, yeah. you know, because. Now you're now you're doing multiple builds a year, which involves you know training teams and operating teams, and now you need different GCs on the jobs, and you're in different regions or whatnot, and so it's a lot more complex. Absolutely, in building you know eight <clears throat> in the next six months, and you've got to have all those moving parts, and so somewhere in the room somebody says, "How do we become more efficient?" Yeah, because every decision is 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 costing you dollars, right, and so how do we stay true to the brand how do we introduce the trade dress that we want in there and how do we you know how do we keep growing and you know uh, the people that are funding that growth you know I think <laughs> want to return on that sure. funding. <laughs> and they're not yeah. as patient maybe as yeah. uh, as the designers or the builders or the operators yeah yeah, yeah. you know one time we were talking about that
0: <clears throat> at Torchies and about how you know how complex it was getting and we started counting the number of people that would touch one project hmm. and it was it was i think it was north of like 250 people wow. that would touch that one project then you consider that you're doing that multiple times yeah uh and so you're talking thousands and yeah. people that are are playing some little part in that so yeah absolutely i mean yeah. it, it gets infinitely more complex and and <clears throat> um yeah. so that, that brings me to another question i was going to have for you you know th- this whole concept of um, when you're scaling a business, uh, of living in the clouds and you know being in the weeds at the same time, right? Because you've got to do both. Like, um, and I'd imagine you know being in operations again, you've got you've got a board, you've got a private equity, you've got you know the 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 um, the goals from from the highest level, and then you've got you know the the values and priorities and all that down the front lines. Like, how do you stay? How do you how do you stay or switch between the cloud and the dirt, right? Like, like being able to to live in both those worlds and and be effective and continue making an
1: impact. Well, well I uh, you, I think you stay true to your formula for success, right? And so if you have a, you know, I happen to have what I think is a formula for success, and you just prosecute it and prosecute it and prosecute it. You know, uh, it's about building a team, having having the consistency and team. But one of the things nowadays, uh, and one of my great interview questions is, "How are you organized?" It's as simple Mm. as that. How are you organized? And you then you're just quiet and you listen to how somebody's organized. And uh, nine times out of ten, they'll respond with, "What do you mean, personally?" Or you know, (laughs) or so. um, What do you want to hear when you ask that question? From from. I want to hear how they're organized. I want to hear, you know, are they, uh, you know, do they have a calendar? Do they have a to-do list? Are they digitally organized? Do they have a day timer? Are they a disciple of Stephen Covey? Are they, uh, you know, are they a fly by the seat of their pants? Do they, you know, do they follow up? Do they do things like that? I want to know, you know, how you're organized because I'm asking you to lead people. Hmm. So the answer to your initial question, how do you live a, you know, between the clouds and executing the brand is you're organized. Mm-hmm. You have to be organized. And by organized, I mean that you have to, um, uh, uh, you have to, I think it's important that you have a communication strategy, you know, and I'm not talking about an external communications. I'm not talking about the communications director or the marketing director communicating. I'm talking about what is your communication strategy. So message sent is message delivered and it gets to the frontline employee. How do you execute that? And there's ways to do that in this day and age. But uh, I always had a, a what I thought was a a, a very uh, simple to execute, but organized communication strategy. And that was that, you know, on a certain day of the week, you know, you talked to the multi-units, you gave them the information in real time, kind of this stuff that, you know, you and I, talked about in, uh, in McChrystal's book, Team of Team teams, teams, right? Yeah. Actionable, real-time intelligence that, you know, you're not waiting and it's not processed or edited. Here's real-time information this week. And then, you know, you deliver it to your your troops and they deliver it to their troops, but it would always be simple. What are the top three things on your business plan this week? What are your top three priorities How can Joel help, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was kind of the simplicity of the communication. And then the other part of communication that I think is critical is it was documented. So I was blessed with a great executive assistant who, you know, typed a million words a minute. And, you know, two minutes after the call was done, here were the notes distributed to everybody on the call. So, you know what that did for um, this term we call accountability, my goodness, there's a record that said I committed to getting this done by yeah. then or that we were going to do this. And what it does what it does is it helps to uh it helps people to be organized. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is to be organized, right? Mm-hmm. You still have to execute the mission. Yeah. So how do we do that? Yeah. Maybe that I ho- I hope that answers that. No, it does. It does. I just I'm always curious in that
0: <laughs> with guys like you that have that have operated at a really high level that, you know, how do you you know, how, how do you stay in those those worlds and become effective and be and be effective? You know, so, um, you know, the last thing I was going to ask you, um, again, I'm fascinated by this is because uh, I'm, I'm listening to the new uh, pff, blowing the name of the author, but it's the new Elon Musk biography. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that by Isaacson Isaacson? Yes. And, um, you know, by all accounts, Elon Musk is very he's a very unreasonable person. Right. And there's that quote, nothing, nothing, you know, tremendous ever happened by a reasonable men. And so I've, I've noticed this in a few people that I've kind of encountered um, that have been ultra successful is this level of being unreasonable. Um, how do you think about that? Because I, cause I, I would put you in that category of, of you know, if you want to call it being a change agent or or being somebody that's gone in and led big groups to do, you know, big, big things. And then conversely, or at the same time, you've been around some pretty high powerful CEOs who would, I I would imagine are unreasonable. Is that a, um, is that a skill set? Is that a, is that a good quality to try to, you know, have this, this this idea of unreasonableness?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know that I would classify it as unreasonableness. I think that leaders cannot be afraid of confrontation. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about confrontation, I'm not talking about fisticuffs or a gunfight, right? I'm talking about the ability to be open, honest, and fair with the people that you lead. And if you are if you shy away from confrontation uh you're doing that person a disservice mm-hmm. you're doing the organization a disservice. maybe you're doing the board of directors a disservice if you're not open honest and fair and and uh, and and confronting issues right and there are you know you'll find a lot of people that don't want to confront the issue, yeah, you know, and how does someone grow you know um you know, if, if they don't know. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, I think it's selfish if you're unorganized and I think it's selfish if you don't become open, honest, and fair and confront issues. You have mm-hmm. to, you know, you have to do it that way. It's, uh, you know, share the truth with love. Yeah, You know, it's kind of the attitude <laughs> that I like to take. But at the same time, I get that. But at the same time,
0: you're you're trying to change people's worldviews in, in some sense to get them to achieve an objective. That's maybe they don't think they can achieve. Yeah. Right. So there, there's this, you know, if you, if you, a lot of things that we try to do aren't logical, I'm not, not, um, they, they are, What we're trying to do is not, they're not logical, but, um, you know, if you're trying to open a hundred stores in five years on paper, um, the way that that you're trying to do that might not seem reasonable, right? So, to, but but that's a that's a goal that if you hit it has a lot of ramifications for a lot of different people. So you're trying to get people to believe that they can do something that's probably not maybe practical is a better term for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I get there's an element of like you know um, having honest conversations, really you know having a dynamic tension, but you're trying to get them to believe that they can do something that they might not believe that they can do, right? So how do you how well, do you do that?
1: Well, you're talking about how how is it extraordinary? How do you get people to do yeah. <clears throat> common things uncommonly well, right? Sure. You've heard that before and stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the things maybe we didn't talk about here is, you know, one of the elements for my – Uh, formula for success is this concept of building the team, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, you and I, I think have talked about Belichick and, you know, Belichick built a football team with lacrosse players. Uh, And part of it is building the team. And so, you know, and we talked about culture and belief systems and things like that. I mean, you have to have the team that's capable of doing the extraordinary. So if you don't have that, I think you're you know, I think you're hoping and mm-hmm. you're just hoping you're going to be successful. But if you build the team and we talked about elements of, you know, how you do that, then I think it's just, you know, setting expectations for the team to get it done. That's how you do it. You know, you do I, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jocko's book, right. I- extreme. Help me with that. Scene, ownership. Extreme ownership talks about that leadership is the single greatest uh, factor in the success, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's about leadership. So, you know, if you have a team of leaders, mm-hmm. I, I think you can do the extraordinary. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know how to do it with, um, I don't know, with the mediocre or the commonplace. If you can't attract winners, uh, you're going to have a difficult time winning, sir.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he gives an interesting example that I've actually seen in person of, you know, no, no bad teams, there's only bad leaders yeah. where, you know, that he talks about these boat crews during, you know, BUDS training where you might have these boat crews are doing these races, you mm-hmm. know, on and off the beach. And, um, you know, you can have one team that's just constantly winning mm-hmm. and one team that's constantly losing. And when you just swap the leaders – it it changes it, automatically. Yeah. Huh. And it talks about how that leader is really instilling a, a new belief system in that team of that they can do it. And there's a lot more to it, obviously, true leadership. But that's, again, that's interesting. It goes back to that, you know, um, changing mindsets and changing beliefs, um, getting people to believe in themselves and, and believe in a greater mission um, and, and trusting that person. You know, I want to kind of oh, yeah. coming back to trust again. You know, that's, that's unique, and that's what I was. Again, we're really impressed with you on how you could build that in people. And I mean, that's you know, no matter who you talk to, that's come across Joel Ross. I mean, they're going to tell you that they they trust him first and foremost. You know, and that's that's Thank special. That.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think our I think our <clears throat> our employees are looking for consistency, right? Yeah. Um, they're also looking for discipline, structure, and order. Yeah. And that's what a leader provides. You know. This, the, uh, they don't want chaos and anarchy, yeah. you know, when they're, you know, they're making whatever they're making, $12, 15 an hour. I mean, they want consistency mm. and that's what leadership should, should be able to provide. And there's, you know, how do you provide consistency? You know, well, I think, you, uh, um, you, you, you know what you believe you lead with values, you have character, you know what the mission is, you execute the mission, you win the shift every, you know, that's all it's about. Let's just win this day. Yeah. Win the day and it's, you know, it's, and then let's go to win tomorrow. It's yeah. be here now type of attitude and, 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 attack it. That's, and, and then you deliver consistency. And I tell you the people that can deliver consistency for the people that they lead, their, their turnover goes way down. Right. Yeah. Cause if I know what's expected of me and it's, you know, there's no chaos. And all I have to do is what's expected of me. And if I know what's expected of me, guess what? I can learn that job, and I can do more than what's expected of me, yeah. and that's the basis of how you, yeah. you know, how you build winning organizations. I, that's an oversimplification, sure. but, um I think that's how you start, right?
2: Yeah. I don't know how much more time we have, but I, I I've got a, a question that we we deal with all the time in terms of <clears throat> when you're trying to structure a team, whether it's five or five thousand. And you base it on culture and you base it on, um, all the values that you feel are important, but you, but you're also trying to teach and mentor. When do you know that? And then when do you know, when do you know to cut the cord? Mm. You know, when do you know that I'm hanging on too much and it's just not cutting it and I need to let go. We need to part ways. I need to find another leader that's better at these things.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And you know, <laughs> there's no definitive answer. I know. <laughs> but I think that the great leaders know. Yeah. They know when they know. And I think if you're open, honest, and fair and not afraid of uh, um, conflict, you know, or uh, uh, confronting people with that, um, I, th- I think that if, if you feel uh, – man – I think I've told you that I'm a Stephen Covey disciple, right? Mm-hmm. And he always used to teach. Man, I remember this from the 80s. Um, set the expectations, teach and coach, follow up, get to the moment of truth. I don't know if you guys remember that. That's, that sticks with me. So, you know, if, if you've set the expectation and you've taught the people how to deliver the expectation and you've followed up with the expectation... And you get to the moment of truth and you're not getting the results. Getting maybe you go back to the top and say, did I set the expectations? And maybe you give it another chance. But when you go through that simple process and you're not getting the results, I think you you know. Yeah. I think you know. I think it's, yeah. you know. That may be, Sure, that's as simple as how I think of, did you, uh, I don't think I've ever in the last 15 years terminated anybody uh, the conversation has usually gone something like Jeremy, the last time you and I talked, we said that if we got to this point and Jeremy would say that you're letting me go, mm-hmm. and so they would yeah. they would know that, and so people know where they stand, I yeah. think everybody yeah. wants That's to know where they stand
0: yeah. yeah uh yeah i've found if you if you do if you know not that you're supposed to but if you do it right um the people aren't, they're not surprised. They're never surprised. Zero surprises. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, yeah. <clears throat> I
2: had a, I had a, well, I had a <laughs> I had a conversation the other day, uh, and someone said, you know, Mark, you, you've developed a knack for letting people go in a way that is mutual. And it, and I didn't think about it until now. And, and there was the term manipulating the conversation. I was like, well, I don't know if it's just that, it is setting, setting up expectations and, and that's, that's pretty enlightening to hear you guys say that because I thought, am I manipulating the conversation and turn and, and so, uh, uh, cause I did it horrible a long time ago and I felt terrible that I didn't set the expectations and then the, had to have this conversation and it ended up terrible. You know, I felt mm-hmm. bad, um, in terms of how that was handled. And I've done a lot of work in terms of trying to do it correctly and knowing when that moment is and not trying to hold on or let go, you know, too long or too quickly. So, um, thanks for that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, Joel, is there anything else that you'd like to dive into? We're kind of,
1: no, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the invitation. It's fun to, uh, Good to see you again. Good to meet you yeah, and, yeah, and, you. and share, love talking about people, yeah. um, uh, you know, and building teams. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's what we, what we should do. Right. I mean, I don't know. We're getting, I'm getting a little grayer, mm. you know, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so what, what are you excited about right now? Just in general, uh, man, <clears throat> business wise, or I'm excited about, uh, I don't know, a road game to Baylor this Saturday night. Oh, yep. nice. Excited yeah. about that. Yep. Good uh, game. Um I'm 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 excited about um um uh, I'm excited about I I guess what I would call the youth of America and uh where we have a lot of conversations that denigrate, you know, the young folks and where we're going and stuff. I'm encouraged and hopeful that there's a lot of smart people, there's a lot of principled young folks and uh, you know, I want to believe that our future is bright, and I think that, you know, uh, the legacy that you and myself and Mark should lead should be, you know, what are we doing to pour into the young folks to, yeah. you know, to, to make a difference versus, you know, shaking our heads, and that's everywhere, wherever we encounter them, you know. Um, that's, you know, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't like to use the word, I'm happy but I sure am joyful, you know? So that's what I'm working on. Beautiful. Well, Joel, thank you very much. Thanks for having this me, is, This is awesome. So thank,
0: thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. I cool. appreciate it.